coffee. Well, okay, <laughs> spiderweb coffee. Thanks for joining us again on this, our second episode of this podcast. If you, if you can hear this, this is the bag of Ghirardelli milk chocolate chips that I discovered in Evelyn's hiding spot. It wasn't mine, I swear. It was totally yours. Also, what you've missed is the fact that I correctly threw a chocolate chip and it landed in Kaylin's mouth. First time I've ever done that. It was amazing. And Ada is, well, you know, I might just throw chocolate chips at her just so she behaves. So today we're going to go over... Chapter one. The prologue um, that I rewrote. Ada! <laughs> what All did right. you throw? Fingernail polish. <laughs> and it landed straight up. Apparently. Stop. So we're going to go over the (laughs) prologue that I kind of reworked based off of you guys' suggestions. And then we're going to start on... Mm -hmm. Thank you, Joker, for your comments. Oh, yes. Thank you, Joker, for your comments. You won a prize because you were the only person that actually interacted. And if you were here, I'd let you have some of Evelyn's contraband (laughs) Ghirardelli milk chocolate chips. But you're not. So we're thinking of you. Okay, so my third attempt at a prologue. Third time's the charm, or not. You know what, though? I'll read this, and then I'll tell you what the realization that I had after I rewrote this for the third time. Okay. Uh, prologue, Baghdad, Green Zone, January 2013. This is like deja vu. And this is not historical fiction, correct? That's when you started writing this book, was 2013. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Considering that's ten years ago. Oh, what's the weapon? Yeah. I had it finished in ten years. The rough line was done in ten... just took ten years. All right, okay. Elliot Jackson filled his tray with food and sat down at the table. The room was filled with Marines and soldiers talking, laughing, complaining and blowing off steam before they climbed into a Humvee for another patrol in the red zone. He ate slowly, not because he wanted to savor each bite of the tasteless mush, but because he was savoring the moment of safety and camaraderie. How's the arm? Elliot glanced over at his forearm, where a small white scar remained from the War Games exercise last year when he had first met Marine Captain David Jones, a.k.a. Locker. Yes? You didn't Davey have Jones locker into the seat. Nope, I did not. Trying to abbreviate it. Locker. It felt okay. draggy to me. Okay. Kalen, what is this? I don't, I don't understand. I don't I'm un- looking at a Kindle cover. You guys, this is weird. what life with you guys is like. <laughs> you are totally <laughs> incapable. <brain>. Focus! <laughs> Squirrel! Alright. Don't upset the dogs. Look at what you did, Ada. <laughs> that might be a moose. Yeah, Don't it sounds say like it's a name. moose. We may have a brief intermission. I see nothing. Ada, go see what is going on with them. They're very upset. Bye-bye. I can't. It'll start a new. Don't so you know how to combine them? No. Oh great. I go. There, yeah, there's a pause button. Okay, Ada. What was the problem? Dogs were sucking themselves in case there was a moose. Well, you know what? Those moose are vicious, villainous creatures. 
And That's the why I slay them. The dogs just know that. I slay them in my sleep. You slay them in your sleep? You weren't even around when we threw the moose in the car. Yeah, that was that, part of it was it, it was a few. It was already dead. I didn't care. I don't about even it know where you were. Where were you? I was you taking Rachel. a drive. No, I was taking a driver's ed course so that my car insurance would be cheaper. I Remember? I and also, All I right. was sick. Do I have to start over for a poor audience? Oh, <laughs> no. yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna vo- listen to the voice of reason. Okay. Hold your questions until the end of the prologue. She said we can interrupt oh. you. She originally said we could. Well, now I'm telling you, wait for the end of the prologue. Elliot Jackson filled his tray with food and sat down at the table. The room was filled with Marines and soldiers talking, laughing, complaining, and blowing off steam before they climbed into a Humvee for another patrol into the red zone. He ate slowly, not because he wanted to savor each bite of the tasteless mush, but because he was savoring the moment of safety and camaraderie. How's the arm? Elliot glanced over at his forearm, where a small white scar remained from the War Games exercise last year, when he had first met Captain David Jones, a.k.a. Locker. Jones had ambushed him and pulled out his location beacon, using it later to set Elliot's SEAL team up for an ambush. I like how you left me a scar to remind me to never underestimate my opponent. A smile cracked Jones's face. Better one for me than someone else. Elliot grinned and grasped Jones' hand. Good to see you again. How's your team? Ready to go home, but not sloppy. Elliot understood Jones's words. There are two patrols you don't want to be a ride-along on. The first and the last. The first is inexperienced and sloppy. The last is cocky and sloppy. Good. I'm counting on it. Jones studied him. I hear you need a ride. To the border, Elliot lowered his voice. If Syria keeps heating up, we'll need those. we'll need contacts and intelligence from there. I need to make those connections. Jones nodded. Brass wants us to pull out at 0800. Elliot waited. The butt was almost tangible. One of my boys tells me our ride isn't accelerating correctly. The mechanic did a once-over and gave it a green light. Elliot understood. Jones's team wasn't satisfied with the mechanic's answer. It had worried him to the point that he had given up valuable prep time to find him and have this casual conversation. What would make you more comfortable? New carburetor. One of my boys is a gearhead. He says with a mechanic they can have it swapped out in three hours. Elliot nodded. I'll clear the delay with the brass. Jones turned his head and gave a slight nod. A marine in the doorway left the room at a jog. Jones stood up. Sir, I'll see you in three hours. Elliot glanced up as Jones moved to sit next to him in the back of the Humvee. Time? Jones nodded but stuck a piece of paper into Elliot's hand. I have a contact in Syria who is training locals to defend themselves against ISIS. I trust them with my life. If you're in a bad spot, text your location to this number. Tell them Jones sent you. Elliot took the paper and memorized the number. Is it that bad in Syria? Jones took the paper back, burying it deep in his pocket. Yeah, Elliot, it's bad. Walk softly. Elliot had never heard Jones use his first name before. The Humvee jerked to a stop. Jones popped the back doors open. Cover on the northeast, 100 yards. You'll have to run and make it before the next car comes around. Go with God. Elliot nodded and jumped out of the Humvee. Three weeks later, Elliot ran into the narrow alley, dust rising with each step. 
behind him, men in caftans with automatic weapons, shouted instructions at the people in the crowded market. They quickly abandoned their shopping, seeking cover. ISIS didn't distinguish between enemies and civilians. Weaving between piles of broken crates and trash, Elliot caught his breath and looked for a way out. What he had hoped to be an alley ended in a brick wall. Wedging himself into a corner and ignoring the rats that scurried by his feet, he prepared for the inevitable. In his pocket, his phone buzzed. He reached for it, praying his loss of focus for a few seconds wouldn't get him killed. Tracking your location. We're coming. Elliot shoved the phone back into his pocket. Stay alive, Jackson. Help us on the way. A rat ran into the street, catching the attention of the band of armed men. They entered the dead-end alley, turning it into a kill box. Lord, if you have any more miracles left for me, now is the time. Elliot waited for a clear shot. There was no surrender to Isis. He'd seen what they had done in the villages. Mass graves filled with the bodies of, old, of men, old women, and small children. The young women had been claimed by Isis fighters as wives. It had broken Elliot's heart. Three men came into range. He fired rapidly. Years of training and combat experience guided their bullets to their targets. The men fell, but Elliot's body jerked to the right as a bullet struck his shoulder, the impact causing him to drop to his knees. A scarlet stain quickly soaked through his clothing. He felt no pain. I'm in shock. He gripped his pistol with his left hand and fired toward the entrance, hoping to buy time to bandage his wound. A piercing scream filled the air. Through the clouds of acrid gun smoke, Elliot saw a flash of black, then heard another scream. Men shouted, weapons fired, engines roared. Tires squealed as vehicles raced away, leaving in their wake in eerie silence. Don't shoot. I'm here to help. The words were in flawless English, the voice unmistakably feminine. He lowered his voice. He lowered his voice. Sorry. He kept the pistol trained toward his, her voice. Come where I can see you. She stepped slowly into view, her headscarf revealing only a narrow slip for her eyes. Who are you? You texted me. I'm Jones's friend. She was at his side a moment later, pulling the cap off of a syringe and plunging it into his arm without hesitation. No time to wait for a stretcher. We have to move. Elliot tried to stand but collapsed back as his vision darkened with pain. She leaned in close to his face, her dark eyelashes shading amber-colored eyes. If you want to live, you need to walk. With her help, he struggled to his feet. His knees buckled as he stepped forward and his weight fell on her shoulder. He screamed as the impact caused fresh waves of pain to flood his senses. She stumbled but didn't fall. We can't wait for the morphine to kick in, Sulky. They're regrouping. We either get out now or we leave in boxes. Elliot shoved the pain into a little box in his mind and closed the lid. Together they walked down the alley and into the waiting Humvee. A red ribbon of life-giving blood entered his veins. His eyes followed the IV, expecting to see a bag of plasma, but instead saw the woman who had rescued him, the other end of the IV, in her arm. My phone... Tell my dad, Elliot spoke, struggling to form the words. You'll live, Silky. I refuse to let you die. Yes, ma'am. The last thing Elliot saw were her amber eyes pleading with him to keep fighting. Okay, now you can interrupt. It's a good poem. It's better than your last new one. That's <laughs> better than my last new one. Well, isn't it shorter than the original? Like, like yes, that? I removed a bunch of it. 
but mm-hmm. it's also longer. Yeah. So now you're interested in figuring out what's up with Elliot. <laughs> okay, so here's the realization that I had after I rewrote the prologue. That your shirt has a hole in it. <laughs> Thank you, Ada. No, it's that I don't know if I need a prologue. Oh. Mm. That entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just hold it. You know, this is the one time I wish we had a video feed to see the look on your face as you realize that weird flappy thing is your Kindle case is actually a stand so you don't get finger fatigue. Yeah, but you can't read this direction. It doesn't rotate. Well, that's just dumb. I know. Well, then you're flat. It does absolutely no good. (laughs) I'm reading sideways. Okay. All right, so have we hammered out the prologue? Now I just yes. have to figure out if I want to use it as a prologue yes, or do I want to run it back as a flashback? No, it's a prologue. Yeah, it's a prologue. I need it as a... So Ada has spoken. <laughs> okay, chapter one. Did we ever introduce ourselves at the beginning? Well, oh, I'm Demama. <laughs> I'm Evelyn, the tall but second oldest. Reckless one. Kaylin is the puritanical sister. The mute one. The oldest. And then Ada is... The giant. The twerpy one. (laughs) Oh, she just squishes. Wow. The smasher. Yeah. That's what... So what do you think of Jones's new call name? It's better than Baby Jones' locker. Locker. (laughs) Okay. We're going to press but, on. Um, Mama, he's not. What team is he in? What type of team? He's not a SEAL. Oh. Um, it don't matter. We Kaylin will find that out in Chapter 1. Okay. We don't I'm need just, to know anything, Kaylin. Because it's Davis Jones' locker, but he's not in the We don't need to know SEAL, what group he's in. <laughs> okay, well, it still could work because the Marines are technically part of the Navy. Now, how does that make sense? I don't know. Marines are the ones with the cool swords, right? Yes. And capes? The sabers. Oh, uh, Navy have capes, oh. too. Okay. I think Navy have sabers, also. I'd have to double check. All right, chapter one. Virginia. I'm trying to think if this date is right. It says 2014, but that would be... That would be over a whole year, a whole year. after, because that was January. Yeah. So maybe it should be 2013? Yeah, I don't have a month on it. We're just going to go with Virginia. (laughs) Sometime later. Elliot was out of bed and on his feet before his mind registered what had happened. A second scream came from below his feet. Pistol in hand, he stepped out of his room, the hardwood floor cold against his bare feet. The nightlight and the boxes in the hall created flickering shadows that played with his imagination. He checked each shadow as he moved, willing his sleep-deprived brain to recall the floors of his new home. Normally, it wasn't a problem, but his other homes hadn't been pre-Civil War plantation houses. He raced down the stairs, slowing for a moment as he reached an empty doorway. A flashlight was on the floor. Elliot! Something's in here! It brushed against my leg and it growled at me! Elliot stepped in the kitchen and turned on the light. 
The clock on the stove said the time was 5 a.m. He lowered his pistol even as a smile spread over his face. His baby sister was standing on top of the kitchen table in her pajamas. I would only do that if I was running away from a mouse. <laughs> in her pajamas, chocolate chips scattered around the floor. <laughs> I forgot about that. I didn't. <laughs> Well, the irony. I guess we found out who was stealing the chocolate chips. <laughs> Elliot hey, teased. those two steal them too. <laughs> they don't take the whole bag and hide it in their room. In my teen laundry pile. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're ruining the Maybe you should have had those to Ava and Kill and they might, they might get poisoned. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we found out who was stealing the chocolate chips, Elliot teased, setting his pistol on the counter. Don't put it down, Hope insisted, glancing around the room. There is something in here. Hope looked around the room. He couldn't see anything. Guilty conscious, playing tricks on you? Hope shot him a dirty look. The door on the opposite end of the kitchen flung open. A woman came in, pistol and flashlight in hand. Easy, Marion, Elliot commented as he saw his cousin. It's just our chocolate chip thief. Marion lowered her pistol, her face turning up into a smile. What'd you do, Elliot? Electrify the bag? Elliot chuckled. I'm telling you, something is in here, Hope insisted, her eyes darting around the room. Look, over by the cat door, those muddy footprints. I'll bet a raccoon got in here. It probably has rabies. Marion walked over to the door. Those are Mirmir's footprints. She probably brushed against you and then ran when you screamed. Does she growl like a raccoon? Hope countered, sitting on the edge of the table, her feet perched on the seat of a chair. Meow. An enormous gray and black long-haired cat slipped soundlessly into the kitchen. Mirmir, where have you been? Marion chastised. Lizzie couldn't go to sleep without you. Meow. The cat answered, wrapping her long body around Marion's legs. Elliot swore the cat almost reached Marion's knees. Suddenly, the feline stood up on her back legs and put her front legs on Marion, reaching up one long paw to pat Marion's hand. Meow! Oh, Mir, Mir, Marion said in a tired voice, looking at the mud on her hand. You're all muddy. What is all the commotion? Marion looked over to see her dad coming through the door, a pistol in hand. At age 62, Rick Brown hadn't gotten soft with age, but his body bore the marks from being in the Marines for almost 40 years. Behind him was her mom, and in her arms, a dark-haired little girl, hiccuping breaths and white che wet cheeks told of the child's terror. Oh, baby, I thought you were asleep, Marion offered, taking Lizzie from her mom's arms. She clung to Marion. You ran out of the room! I was all alone. I didn't know where I was. Marion hugged her tightly. I leaped out of the bed when I heard Hope scream. I thought you were asleep. Lizzie looked over at Hope, still perched on the table. Why are you on the table, Hope? Elliot chuckled. Yeah, Hope, why are you on the table? Rick grinned. Did you find the chocolate chip thief? Yes, Hope exclaimed. I took the chocolate chips. I'm guilty. But there's something in this house. I felt a brush against my leg and growled at me. Hope pointed at Mir Mir. She probably brought a rabid bat into the house. <laughs> Marion looked down at the cat sitting next to her feet. Mir Mir's smart enough not to catch a rabid bat. She grinned. Maybe a healthy one, but not a rabid one. 
Elliot looked down to the feline. She looks a mite proud of herself. Rick smiled and rubbed Mirmir's head. Did you get rid of the squirrels that have taken over the barn? Mirmir purred. I think she brought you a present, Lizzie called out, squirming until Marion put her down. If she brings me another live squirrel, I'm going to build her a cage, Irina threatened. It took Rachel and I four hours to get it out of the house, and then she glared at me for the rest of the day. Mirmir wants a friend, Lizzie exclaimed as she danced on her tiptoes around the chocolate chips. We need to get a dog for her to play with. Rick chuckled. I don't think Mirmir would like to have a dog for a friend. Mirmir disappeared into a gap between the fridge and the wall, reappearing with a dark object in her mouth. She dropped it at Marion's feet. It raced past Marion, Marion and back into the dark crack. Mirmir! Marion screeched as she jumped out of the way of the creature. Silly! Hope shouted from her position back on top of the table. I told you something was in here! Elliot peered between the gap. What is it? I can't tell. Maybe a squirrel? Marion answered, reaching for the oven mitts. If it's a rat, you better stick to that story, Rick whispered. You know how your mother feels about rats. Hope, get a box, Elliot ordered. No, you get a box, Hope countered, still on top of the table. I am not getting down. Elliot shook his head. He disappeared for a moment, but came back with an empty box. Marion pointed at the gap. Get in there and get it, Mirmir. Mirmir glared at Marion for a moment, then sauntered behind the refrigerator and came back out with a dripping wet creature hanging out of her mouth like a prized kitten. She dropped it in Marion's mitt-covered hands and then and she quickly put it into the box. Elliot slammed the lid shut as the creature growled. See? Hope exclaimed. It's terrifying. Well, it's confined to a box now, so get off the table before Mom sees you up there, Elliot warned. Hope stepped down onto a kitchen chair, but didn't step foot onto the tr floor. Put it outside. We have to see what it is first, Marion challenged. Maybe it's like the time she brought home the lost kitten. Not with that growl, Hope <laughs> challenged. Marion, Rick, and Elliot peered into the box. I don't believe it, Rick exclaimed. Of all the things she's brought home, this has got to be the craziest. Is that a mink? Marion questioned. It's a river otter. But I've never seen one in this part of the world. Poor little devil. He looks half starved. Where's your mama, little guy? The otter growled. Mirmir licked his head. The otter quieted. You tell him, Mirmir, Rick teased as he rubbed Mirmir's head. Rena, do you have any raw fish in the fridge? What'd she bring me this time? Irina asked as she opened the refrigerator. A baby river otter. Irina looked into the box. I didn't think we had any around here. Lizzie ran over. Marion stretched out an arm to keep the girl from getting bit. Oh, it's so cute. Can we keep it? What's found is nature stays in nature, Rick said. But we found it in our kitchen, <laughs> Lizzie pointed out. Marion laughed. She's got you on that one, Dad. Rick smiled but pointed to the otter now backed into the corner of the box. Is that a lump on its side? Marion pulled on a pair of oven mitts and carefully picked up the otter. It fought for a moment then stopped and chattered to her angrily. Is it a boy or a girl, Mama? Lizzie asked. I don't speak otter, Marion teased, but she peered between the animal's legs. It's a boy. Did Mirmir hurt him? Lizzie asked. Marion looked at the wound. No, I think it's a cyst. He can't move his hind leg. Irina came over and dropped a piece of fit, raw fish in Marion's hand. 
The otter stared at her suspiciously, but then gulped the meat down. You're right, Airy. That looks like a cyst. Mama! The baby otter. He is a cute little thing. Three sets of eyes looked at her pleadingly. Stop it, Richard. I expect that from the kids, not you, Irina grouched. But the teasing glint in her eyes gave her away. Who can resist those sad little brown eyes, Rick teased. Irina's lips turned up into a smile. I never could. Get it, Put it back in the box and let's get dressed. I'll get my first aid kit. Rick, start coffee? Rick glanced at his watch. Yeah, might as well get up for the day. Marion reached for her pistol and took Lizzie's hand. Come on, Lizzie. Let's go dress. Get dressed. A huge yawn splits Lizzie's face. Or maybe you could just go back to sleep, Marion offered. Lizzie's instant white-knuckled grip on her hand told her the little tyke wasn't about to go back to sleep alone. All right, we'll get you dressed and ready for the day. Lizzie relaxed her grip. Can I watch cartoons? Maybe. Marion opened the door to her new home. It wasn't much, but it was better than her last apartment. Here she might have to share a kitchen, but she had built-in babysitters and all her neighbors were family. It was worth having to deal with an aging house that needed re renovations and showers that never ne seemed to get warmer than tippid. Lizzie released Marion's hand and raced into the bedroom. Mama, where are my clothes? Marion walked into Lizzie's bedroom, sighing as she saw the stack of boxes in the corner, all labeled with Lizzie's name. The one marked clothes was at the bottom of the stack. Just put on your clothes from yesterday. Lizzie raced to take off her jammies and Marion walked into her bedroom. It wasn't much better. There were boxes stacked in her room that she hadn't seen in four years. She hadn't realized she'd had so much stuff until she opened her storage locker. She had no idea what she was going to do with them all. She pulled the clip from her pistol and ejected the bullet into the chamber, placing both into her gun safe. As she did, she bent to pick up a picture frame that had fallen onto the floor in her haste to get the pistol. She slowly turned it over. Behind the cracked glass, a smiling couple looked back at her. Lizzie, you remind me so much of Miles. No matter what was going in life, Miles could make me laugh. We were so happy, and then everything changed. It was so easy when you were younger. All you knew was that I loved you and would take care of you. Now you're getting bigger. You're asking questions, and I don't know how to answer them. She pulled open a drawer and shoved the photo inside, flipping the frame over so the couple was facing the bottom of the drawer. Leave it be, Marion. You can't fix it now. Okay, that's where we're going to stop. What? No, that's not the end of the chapter. Mama <sighs> changed the, where the chapter ended. I, okay, this is a really long chapter and just reading the chapter no, alone a good place to took stop. a half an hour. And we've been jabbering. And <laughs> being interrupted. And we're already at minute 27, so... All right, do you have any thoughts of the chapter? I kind of figured you probably wouldn't, but. Not really. This The for, the beginning chapters are always the slower um, ones. And then could you make it a little more it obvious better. how they're related? I know you get into it later on, but right now it's pretty weird. I don't know how to do that without like making a convent. it. They're a cult. They're a cult. They're a cult. Commune. Okay, yeah, so help me problem solve that. How do I do that without slowing everything down okay so you have everyone related except elliot and hope you have not stated how they're related to the other four 
Well, we know that Elliot is Marion is Elliot's cousin. When was that stated? I stated uh, it. When early, early. Elliot saw her come into the kitchen with her pistol and flashlight. I thought she just. I'm pulling it up. Honestly, you're just wanting me to throw in the whole cousin brother part. <laughs> no, that doesn't come in yet. <laughs> Cousin brother! <laughs> I don't remember that part. Okay, so we watched a Christmas movie, and I've watched it before. Okay. And it's quite... What was it called? A Country Christmas? Yeah. Country was it Christ a Hallmark a movie? Southern, a Southern Christmas. A Southern Sorry. Christmas? Okay, so... In this movie, had, they, they have these two girls that swap places, because they've never met their extended family before. So they swap places... And this one kind of rich girl ends up with this, like, trailer trash, kind of. But, I mean, they're fun people. And they introduce her to the family as in, this is your dad, and this is his cousin brother, Roy. And they what? never explain <laughs> what? what a cousin brother is. Um, they had the same dad? No, that would be stepbrothers. But, no, but their moms were sisters. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It goes through the whole movie, and at the end of the movie, they find out that, of course, they're all related. Anyway, and this new guy, who's the dad of the other girl that swapped places with her, is telling his fiance, I got a new mom and, and a cousin brother. What is a cousin brother? And they never answer that question. It's, it is the best part of the whole movie because you're sitting around trying to figure out what a cousin brother is. And Maybe it's your cousin and half brother. No, Evelyn, um, the dad was Elliot from the Leverage. Leverage. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Okay, you are probably oh, right. Oh, I Ada. found out that the actor for Jack Reacher is apparently a Christian. I did. Alan I, Richardson? Yeah, I, I figured I heard that, that after too. seeing that he was starring in a Christian movie. I'm like, what? Isn't that a little strange? Yeah. You're too muscular for that. He grew a mustache. A mustache? Okay, so Ada, you are right. I am always right. Thank you very much. Not always. You're just right when it comes so to something. So right now it you. says the door on the opposite end of the kitchen flung open. A woman came in and pistol. Yeah, oh, I was right. Easy, airy. Elliot commented as he saw his cousin. I was right. So I'm all for making it more clear because that's one of the things daddy said too is it needed to clear. But I don't know how to do that without making the whole thing boggy down and awkward. Okay, you could just have Elliot say what is that Uncle Jed or Uncle Rick. Yeah, Uncle Rick. Because that would help. It would make it so it goes from one mention of being related to two, at least. That doubles it. <laughs> it doubles it? <laughs> oh, be three. Because he actually mentioned that Hope is his sister. Mm-hmm. So. No, that doesn't count because... No. You could have Hope say something to her. I'll call, maybe. I don't know, they're just one big confusing family, and you well, readers and, and honestly, listeners will figure it out eventually. Well, That's how it always if this goes. ever ends up in print, it needs to start out with a family tree. Yep. In the beginning. Yep. In the beginning pages. Hey, what's the word? 
You're gonna cut your own finger off. <laughs> I'm attempting to make <laughs> entire family trees for all the nobles in my entire world, and that I just gave up after like 80 names. Yeah, you need to shrink <laughs> it down a little bit there. No. That's because she's going to It's for me to keep it straight. <laughs> yeah, anyway. The first one all the way to when the world explodes. So maybe no. what we have to do is draw I up a family tree and then I'll post it on my author page so people mm. can keep track. Although, at a certain point, I'm not going to post a lot on the author page because it's easier to steal that way. And to be mm. honest, if somebody's going to steal the story and have they have to first weed out all of our ridiculous yep. comments and rattling of chocolate chip bags and yep. the washing machine and the dogs barking. Anyway, yep. it's been a heck of an episode. We're already at minute 30, 30 these last four seconds are so long. <laughs> 33. So let's sign off and we will go over some more next week. Do we have any questions we want to ask on this? Uh, any advice for making this large family make sense or it's just a family tree at the beginning of the book good enough? How do we add names and relations without making things bogged down? See, I remember you read this chapter to us and we're all like, Explain, and you <laughs> sat for a half an hour explaining how everyone was related. And even I then, I didn't really understand because I didn't see anything. It was I, just all here. I drew a diagram I later. Because I'm Ada the Awesome. Ada the Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next week.